It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Weff, and as always, I'm joined by Tim. Hey, Tim, bright and early start here on the Canadian West Coast, as always. Um, how are you doing? How are you coping with this 6.30 recording time? Oh, yeah, it's a little bit early, but I'm excited to be here. The Russian League has restarted. We have lots of topics to talk about, and it's going to be hopefully an exciting food. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, uh, yeah, me, oh, me and you hang out on the on the weekend. Yeah, we did hang out on the weekend. That was just, it was a very very successful successful day for us, wasn't it? Uh, we had to watch some football. Our team won. Um, wrote a couple of reports. Spoke to Alfonso Davis. All around, I would say a successful day. Yeah, it was first opening day of MLS. Vancouver Whitecaps played against Montreal Impact. Yeah, and we we beat them. You know, team from the East Coast that has. Uh, you know, speaking of the East Coast, we, we <laughs> are joined for someone from the East Coast who's having 9.30 seems a lot better than 6.30, Vadim. How are you doing? Vadim is back on this podcast to join us to talk a bit about Ukrainian football. How are you doing, Vadim? Uh, doing well, but if it makes you feel better, I've been up since before 6.30. Oh, yeah. Well, that does make me a tiny bit feel better. A little bit. Tiny bit. Maybe. <laughs> but complimenting this, and really the reason why we're all up so early is... Andrew from Siberia. Well, you know, we all have to get up early for you, but at least you're the only person that's stuck in real winter. Well, I think it's a trade I'm going to have to grimace over. But yes, um, I'm surrounded by snow, but uh, at least I have a glass of wine, some fine cheese by my side. I'm going for a high class <laughs> approach to this pod. I'm trying my best to rub it in. Yeah, I hope you noticed. But uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Great to join you guys again. Um, and um, I promise I won't chuckle at how early it is for you in Vancouver. I promise. I could totally imagine you sitting in front of a fire with like a Siberian lapdog and uh, <laughs> drinking some wine while you're doing this podcast with your glorious beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I try. I do my bit to play the part, you know, high class stuff. High class stuff. Cigar as well? Or, or no cigar? Uh, I've got kids in the house. Can't do that. Okay, well. <laughs> That's too bad. That's too bad. But, you know, we'll stick uh, with obscure locations, um, Andrew, because the, before we get into the the thick stuff, the, the Russian um, Russian Football Premier League, we have to talk a little bit about the Russian Cup. And um, we all laughed a little bit and they tried to find out the regulations and everything. Well, it looks like that either Shinnik Yaroslavl or Avant-Garde Kurs 
could be playing in the Europa League group stage next season. Now, <laughs> this is this is funny stuff, right? Because the, the semi-final, of course, um, is Schinnig against Avantgarde. And then the other semi-final is Tosno versus um, Spartak or Samara. That game, Spartak against uh, Samara, had to be postponed because of cold temperatures. Um, we assume that will be Tosno against Spartak. And we assume that Spartak will get through there. Um, not going to jinx it too much, Tim. But um, hmm. that also means that if... Spartak gets through, they secure the Europa League spot or probably Champions League spot in the league that Schinnig or Avantgarde can reach the Europa League group stage. Now, Andrew, that would be insane. It would be, yes, as you say, it would be absolutely, absolutely mad. I mean, last year, I was I was hoping, fingers crossed, that Ural, of course, Ural in the final of the Russian Cup against Lokomotiv, I was hoping they would win and get into Europe and that would have been insane. And that's a well, I'd say a relatively stable mid-table Premier League side, and that would have been quite something. But now we're looking at the prospect of potentially um, potentially having a side that are only one point above my team, FC Tumen, in the Fenel, could possibly be in Europe. It's, they could even get relegated to the second division and, and be playing in Europe. Absolutely mad. And don't forget as well, it's straight through to the group stage, no less. It's it's not no qualifiers. They're right in, potentially playing against some of the some of the biggest clubs in on the continent. Um, I think just for curiosity's sake, that would be be quite mad. Although on a semi serious note, Manu, what I would be absolutely fascinated to see would be if the miracle did happen and Avantgarde or Shinik for that matter. Um, made it through to the Europa League, I wonder what would happen to their finances. Would it actually be enough to genuinely sustain them for the short-term future? Would they be able to sign any meaningful players within a Russian context, at least? I, I wonder how that would happen um, or how much how much positive effect it would have. I hope it would. Um, but either way, that's definitely who we want to go through. Well, what do you think, Tim? I mean, I think Schinnig is probably the more suited of the two right because at least they have a history although a short one of playing in in the Russian football premier league um so i would assume that they're probably the, the, of the two they're the team more ready for this right yeah uh, we already had that uh experience of uh, a final team going and playing to europa league when my home club uh, sibir novosibirsk uh, played in final against Zenit St. Petersburg, and Zenit obviously won the final. And uh, Sibir uh, qualified to play for Europa League, but at the same year they also qualified for to play in the Russian Premier League. So they qualified to play in Europa League as being as NFL club. But um, before starting the Europa League, they became, uh, you know, a proper uh, FN, uh Russian. Premier League club. Uh, Shrinik already played uh, twice in uh, in Europe. They mm-hmm. played in that. Remember Intertoto Cup. Yeah. Uh, they even played against Valencia. That was a re- legendary uh, game. Then the the field was completely uh, rained off the field, and Valencia had to um, to play a corner out of a puddle because there, there was no ground. So so they out of the water. There was they did the puddle. So I'm not sure if this is called you call uh, suited for Europe, but um, they building aren't they building the new stadium? I think yeah. Yeah, they are, they are right. This is it's a World Cup city, so so maybe there. So in that sense, maybe they are more suited. Obviously, you know, Shinik has way more history. Uh, as a club uh, in Europe, but in any case, those clubs are not uh, the clubs which will be playing in Russian Premier League next year, and 
Um, you know, I'm obviously full of hope that Spartak will qualify to Champions League and will make it to the uh, cup final. So, I mean, with that in mind, that yes, one of the FNL clubs will be representing Russia in in, in Europa League, and if it will be Avangar Kursk, this will be yeah. absolutely ridiculous. I actually, I, I actually I have, have to, this team. I actually have to correct this real quick. Yaroslav was supposed to be a World Cup city, and it's not. So, um, that 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 city was taken off the list. Um, okay, so then, then yeah, it doesn't even help. <laughs> but they do have a stadium. Um, it's you know one of those typical concrete balls that you have in the post-Soviet space. Um, yeah, I, I guess my guess is, and I, I think sadly this would happen for both those teams that they probably would move the the games to a different place, um, right? I can't see either Kursk or level hosting European matches. <laughs> it's just, I, I just don't see, see that happening. Um, I, I could see them both making the group stage and then maybe having to play in, in Moscow, right? That seems to be the, the thing that UEFA likes to do. But yeah, definitely, definitely interesting. I mean, uh, we, that it could happen. I mean, and in the end of the day, um, it could also happen that Spartak, because that's the, the game that we're still waiting for, right? Tim, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to curse your side. And I know you guys are really aiming for this competition to win this competition. Um, but it is possible that you're going to go out against Samara <clears throat> or later Tosno, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, there's, a, there's obviously a chance. So like, if, yeah, if Spartak is out, then, and Tosno or Samara plays in the other finals. So then one of those clubs could be, and obviously Tosno is way more suited for that. Uh, out of the clubs who remained in the competition because they play in at the former Zenit Stadium, which hosted Champions League. So if Tosmo somehow wins the cup or qualifies, no, wins the cup, then, then that won't be a problem for them to participate. But uh, at that time, they might be F- FNL club. So it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it is weird. Well, um, Andrew, is there anything you'd like to add to this? Well, I mean, it's it's just the curiosity factor, really. Um, for me, it's akin to, well, almost akin to Scar Havadas getting promoted to the Premier League, although this is obviously a much wider context. Um, I'd, part of me would like to believe it will actually genuinely, forget the actual progress, obviously neither, you know, neither Avangard or Shinnik would go very far in the Europa League at all, but I'd like to think that the benefit would be they would... Um, they would be in a healthier state afterwards. Mm. That's what I would like to believe. What I actually believe is somehow there will be a way that the funds somehow won't quite find them, find their way back into the club. But look, all I can say is I think um, I think the fact that the Russian Cup gives direct progress to the group stages of the Europa League is a good thing mm. because I want the cup to be valued. Yeah. Um, in England, where I, you know, I'm a Manchester United fan, as you guys know, and the, the FA Cup has lost a lot of its uh, its value, whereas you know in in Russia at least there are some some useful steps being taken towards it. You know, putting the Premier League clubs away from home in the early rounds, it makes them work hard for it. Some of them don't value it, but it gives the little the smaller teams a bigger shout. And this is the prime example of it. So, quite honestly, I, I can't wait to 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 see this year's final. Yeah, that's said though. Uh, I think Spartak were the only. Premier League team in the in the quarterfinals, right? If I'm not mistaken. So uh, Tosno, Tosno. Oh uh, yeah, Tosno. Sorry, 
Onitosno on Spartak. That's not exactly a, a massive return. But <laughs> I, I think, I think we can leave the, the cup alone until we actually find out, um, who's going to make it to the, to the later stages. Um, guys, the league, the league is back. Um, and we had some, some rather odd results in the league. Um, going really quickly through those. Anshi Rubin Kazan 1-1. Ceska Moscow Ural 1-0. Zenit Amka Perm 0-0. We need to talk about that. Krasnodar Rostov, Krasnodar uh, 1-3-1. Ska Habovsk, Tosno 0-1. I guess that's probably it for Habovsk. Um, also something to chat about. Ufa Dinamo Moscow 1-1. Lokomotiv Spartak Moscow 0-0. Tim, I have to talk about that one as well. Arsenal Tula, Terry Krosny 1-0. Um, that's some interesting results, guys. Just taking a glance, and of course, we're going to talk about the big Moscow derby, right? And it is a big Moscow derby this time around because it is such an important cup win. And taking away the Sinit Amka result, anything that sticks out um, to you, Tim, um, when you look at these these first rounds of results? I mean, this is this is a weird one, right? Because it's after a three-month-long winter break. The teams are all trying to find the legs again. But when you look at this first round of results, anything that really sticks out to you that really surprised you? I don't think anything that really surprised me, but uh, I think an important result is the Krasnodar's win because uh, during the winter everyone was talking about will Zenit or Spartak um, will chase and um, caught up to a locomotive, but uh, by, by, by it looks like right now that Krasnodar has very, very good chances. And for Krasnodar, I'm pretty sure that they will be happy with any of the first three places as because like even if they get the third place, they will get to qualify in a Champions League round, which is for them will be a massive success because they've never played Champions League yet. Uh, but at the same time, like at this point, they have, they have their, they have their chances of doing that. So I think we also need to, it's very, very tight uh, on the top and uh, we kind of have to pay attention to all four clubs who are chasing uh, Lokomotiv, Spartak, Tsaiskaya, Zenit and Krasnodar and as of right now, I have no idea who would finish in the Champions League and who would qualify for Europa League. It's really, really tight, and uh, the teams will be playing each other, so it's going to be fairly excited in that sense. Um, but at the same time, in order, Lokomotiv, they need to lose three times mm-hmm. in order for somebody to catch them, and three times because they have better um, results um, against all the teams which, uh, which are chasing them. Because they have like uh, victories and a better goal difference in the games against their opponents, so they they have this extra kind of an extra f- fictive point. Mm. Um, so I see actually Lokomotiv potentially losing points three times, maybe not losing the games, but maybe drawing three times. But at the same time, given all that, other teams who are chasing them need to win all other games, and this is which I don't see happening. Yeah, that's, that's a, I mean, that's what I look, when I look at the table now, it's, that's the, that's the thing about the, the Premier League that we often, we mention often, right? It's kind of like a marathon going to the winter break and then it's a sprint from the winter break to the end of the season. There's only nine games left from here to, um, May. That's it. It's not a lot of football. I mean, it is a lot of football in a short time, but when you, when you look at it, it's not a lot of games left. And then all of a sudden, seven points, that's a, it's a big gap, especially when you have not one, not two, but four teams chasing you, 
right? Because they're all going to take points from each other too. So even if you stumble, you, you're probably not going to stumble often enough to, to lose the lead. Um, if at this stage of the season, because yes, um, seven points is in, in reality. And well, you're saying it's two games plus an extra game, right? Because of that, that, that um, head to head and mm-hmm. all the other things that the bonus, the little bonus points that locomotive have, but. In nine games, that's, it's, that's a lot, a lot of, a lot of points to have as a gap. I, I feel I personally can't really see anyone from the chasing pack catching them at this point, Tim. Yeah. And, uh, Lokomotiv, they play Zenit and Krasnodar. So those two games against head to head opponents, but those two games are second and third last games of the season. By the time that they will play those games, they might be champions already if everything goes to their plan. So um, it, they're definitely in total control. And to me, it was all about the game which we will talk about mm. against the Spartak game, uh, which ended up in a tie 0-0, which was a brilliant result for Lokomotiv. But yeah, that means that you know Spartak would have won. It would have been a completely different scenario. But as of right now, uh, yeah, Lokomotiv is in full, full control. What do you think, Andrew? Is they, do you see any kind of scenario where this, this could still fall apart for, for Loco? I mean, this is, this is a championship run, um, that we did not expect, but you know, the sprint is on nine games left. Um, all the, the, the chasing pack of four teams, you know, they all need to basically stay perfect, um, and hope that Loco stumble. Do you see any way this, this is going to be changed? Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, to be honest, no, I can't. Uh, and Tim makes that good point about the, the games against, um, for Locos, Locos games against Krasnodar and Zenit being right at the end of the season. That is a, that's a big, big help. Um, you know, coming up, they've got two relatively, well, I mean, much it pains me to say, relatively unthreatening sides, Woodall and Amkar away. Then they've got three home games in four. Uh, and by that stage, I honestly do expect them to have wrapped it up. Um, the only thing I would mention as a, I just throw it out there, play devil's advocate for a minute. Um, some of the other sides actually do have relatively, relatively speaking, comfortable fixtures in their in their running. Um, so, for example, <coughs> sorry, pardon me. Uh, for example, if you look at um, Tesca, they have 
Zanita way towards the end. But other than that, they don't really have any more really deeply challenging fixtures. Um, okay, Krasnodar at home, yes. Krasnodar at home and, and Zanita way. But Krasnodar at home, that is a, that's a game they have to win if they want to be champions anyway. Uh, and again, they've got a few games before that. So... Ah, will Loco have half an eye on the Europa League? You know, they've got a they've got a tough game coming up, uh, two couple of games coming up against Atletico Madrid. So um who knows? If they do well in the first leg, they might think, well, hang on a minute, we can knock out one of the best sides in it. Will they have half an eye in Europe? I don't think they will. I think Jordi Semin will focus on the league uh, eventually because look, it's no shame if Loco go out to Atletico Madrid. So, you know, the the league title is one that they, they haven't had for a while and this is, they're never going to get a better chance than this season, the way things stand. So, yeah, to answer your question, Manny, no, I don't see anybody catching them. Um, but I tell you what, that race for European places, that is absolutely crazy. Um, I really genuinely cannot call who I think will end up in Europa League uh, and Champions League qualification spaces. So that really is where the interest is uh, at the business end of the table. As yeah, as I can say. let's talk about that next. Because um, for me, the results are need against Amka Pam. That zero zero draw, um, a bit of an embarrassing result for, for the St. Petersburg side for Roberto Mancini at this stage of the season, right? Because this is, this is a, was a massive chance for Sydney to possibly close the gap. Um, and at this point right now, as things stands, they're not even in a Champions League spot, right? And there's a, there's a big chance that they, they're going to miss out on Champions League football again. Uh, and which, I mean, the, the way this side is structured, the way Gazprom have invested in this side, it's all about the Champions League football, right? And I think that the race is really on, right, Tim? If they don't make the Champions League, the, I mean, they can also qualify through the Europa League. Don't forget that. Um, they have not an easy tie coming up against RB Leipzig. We spoke about that last week. This result is a major blow, and it is also a result that really puts under pressure on Mancini, right, Tim? Yeah, because Mancini is he's expected to win the league, and uh, that was the that like every time the Zenit they go into the season, that's the expectation, that's the goal for the season to 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 win and at least to qualify for Champions League. And then haven't played Champions League football like you said for a couple of years, for a few years now, I believe, and uh, it's obviously. He's he's definitely under pressure, and he freaked out a little bit um, after the game against Amkar because he blamed the referee who showed two red cards to Zenit players and technically didn't show a red card to a player who got two yellow cards uh, at Amkar. Uh, what happened is that uh, the defender of Amkar um, got a second yellow card and fouled Zenit player. But in that foul, he was hurt as well. So he was pretty much carried off the field and never went back. So technically, the uh, the referee showed him two yellow cards, but never showed him the red card. Uh, but the guy never came back on the field anyways. So it doesn't really matter. It's just like really a technicality. But Zenit, but Mancini was absolutely furious. Uh, in his post-match interview, he, he said that the referee is the best player of the game and maybe he's the best referee in, in the world. So you can see, just looking at this interview, he was he was fairly nervous and he was obviously freaked out. But you can see that, I don't know, I'm not sure if he's in the control and everything that he wants to, his team, the way he wants his team to play, it's definitely not working. And I'm not sure if everything is well in Zenit's camp. 
Yeah, Andrew, um, Zenit coaches freaking out the referees. You've definitely never <laughs> seen that before. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Certainly not in the last couple of seasons with a, a certain <laughs> manager of Ukrainian experience. Certainly not. Um, no, I, to be honest, it was uh, it was laughable because I actually think the referee had a relatively relatively decent game. Um, I mean, no, he, he, he's complaining. Uh, Mancini's complaining about those about his decision, but uh, um red card is what two yellows were. I mean, that was. It was it was as straight yellow as they come. He just lunged in, and it was a poor challenge. So it really isn't anything you can play with that one. Um, and I, I I cannot understand how Zenit do this. How do they go from? I mean, when I when I watched them against Celtic in that second leg of their Europa League round of thirty two, they were absolutely magnificent. They were as good as Zenit should be, and that is impressive given their their squad. And that, how can they can go from that to? struggling so badly against Amkar. I just, I cannot fathom it. Don't forget Amkar as well. They, uh, Gaji, uh, Haji Khadjiev had, had resigned um, a day before the game. So they've got, um, was it Vadim Yevsev came in? Um, you know, the guy's come in, he's, he's head coach with, you know, a few hours notice effectively, 24, 48 hours notice. And he engineers a nil-nil win away to Zanit with, don't forget, a massive crowd as well. Zanit have done brilliantly filling the stadium. 45,000 people, league football, come on, guys, let's crack on for Champions League. And they they just, um, they struggle. I think one part of the reason for me was Sebastian Driussi. Um, Mancini clearly is trying to give the young lad another little run in the side, but he just was, well, he was ineffective again. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, it's just, it's bizarre. And I think Mancini is in serious, serious danger of um, of the act at the end of the season if he doesn't drastically improve. Champions League, as you say, Manny, absolute must. It always is with Zanid. Um And if he doesn't deliver, given the backing especially that they've had, there's just nowhere he can hide after this, I don't believe. And starting to make these excuses like this about the referee, it's, mm-hmm. it's only going to make his position even worse. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. Andrew, and it's interesting because I wrote the, the Zenit Leipzig preview, um, or Leipzig Zenit preview, which is going to be the home game, the German home game is going to be on Stadt, and then of course the return leg will be on Grad. Um, and it's, it's, it's fascinating because Leipzig suffering from some of the same issues, um, right now with inconsistency, like playing very well against bigger sides and then uh, playing very well one day and then playing very poorly the next day. It's a, it's a bit of an, a consistency issue for me. And Zenit are very much the same way right now because they did very well. Of course, it was the first game after the winter break against Celtic, right? But then they were fantastic in the return. And then in the third match, they, they pulled this off against Amka. Um, very poor performance again. Um, so you basically, we're going to have two sides facing each other on Thursday that are like a complete toss up. So it was interesting writing the match report and basically what I wrote is said, look, there's two teams playing each other that are, have been heavily inconsistent. Um, but I feel that for Zenit, that there's more pressure on this game in particular because they only have, right? The, um, the three spots in the league for Champions League. And unlike Germany, when you finish fourth in Germany, you're straight into the group stage. Whereas in Russia, even finishing third might not be enough, right? Because he's playing, I think you played two or three qualification rounds with the Champions League reform. 
So there's a lot of pressure on Sinead right now. And I, I'm really curious. Um, I mean, guys, both of you, and I go with you first, Tim. If Sinead do not finish in a Champions League spot, is Mancini gone, Tim? Most, yeah, I think, um, it also depends on the relationship between Fursinka because, um, and like people who make decisions uh, in the club because uh, they really wanted him to, um, to, to, to have Mancini for, for, for a while. At the same time, there are rumors that Mancini might be considered for the Italy job. And there were some other rumors that him being interested in Europe. So I think it would, they will, judge it case by case but definitely you know especially if uh, those conflicts like you had the one with Zuba and Shatov will continue if if there's another one or two conflicts by the end of the season and that could happen if uh, a very ambitious um, Zenit's dressing room is not getting results and not having the you know the full uh, agreement of the coach if there's another couple of conflicts I see him being being gone uh, from from Zenit job I'm wondering what Andrews thinks yeah same Andrew? Well, yeah, I, I can't see it any other way. And I don't actually think it will be an awkward departure. Let's just assume it, it's, uh, you know, those circumstances, the negative ones play out for Zanid. Because I don't think Mancini would, um, I don't think he would put up with, I say put up with staying. It's not like he's in a position to be putting up with it. But, you know, he came, I think, certain similarities between him and Luchescu coming. Luchescu, I think, arrived thinking, well, this is, you know, it's the end of his career. His guaranteed title is what he was probably thinking. And I think Mancini probably felt the same. And Mancini had more backing, obviously. So I think he would probably start getting a bit fed up thinking, well, you know, I came here to... Nobody is pretending Mancini came to, to build an entire stage of his career at City. He'll come for a few years may sign an, a, an extension for fourth or fifth, it goes well, but certainly no more than that. He came to win titles. And if he realises that he's got more problems than just simply putting together the best 11 players, which in in essence he does have, he has the best 11 in one sense on paper, um, I, think, I think he would walk anyway. Um, you know, rumours of the Italy job, how accurate they are, I don't know. But, you know, he is well regarded within Italy. Um, I'm sure a few clubs would be interested in him too. Um, so yeah, I, I think they don't get Champions League football. He'll either be pushed or he'll walk, but either way, I don't think it will be that difficult a circumstance to foresee. Yeah. I just want to say that before the season started, I, I called this, this as a potential dumpster fire waiting to happen. Just want to say this right here. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty happy with that outcome. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, for me, I, I always, I always felt that this was a disaster in the making <laughs> because Mancini is such a big personality. And then he put together this big personality squad and, um, halfway through the season, all the big Russian personalities were pushed out of the, out of the side. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, I feel like. I feel vindicated. <laughs> yeah, actually, I remember saying that uh, my friend who lives here in Canada, he's a big Zenit supporter, and we always fight because I support Spartak. But I told him, yeah, that he is a good coach. But my only hope that because he had uh, problems in the previous clubs, mm-hmm. that he will have the same in a very ambitious uh, Zenit dressing room. After four months of being in a job, he forced out two leaders of the club, uh, Zuba and Shatov. Like, you know, he has this history. So hopefully this will continue. <laughs> oh, no bias here at all. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, sp- I'm speaking like a proper journalist. No bias. Yeah, no bias. Okay. Well, Tim, what, what, what are we at biased? 
<laughs> what happened at that locomotive Spartak game? Zero zero was that was that was a big game for you guys too because you could have closed that gap significantly as well, but didn't quite happen. Um, we chatted about this on Sunday in Vancouver, and we looked at the pictures and some of the highlights. Right, um, a lot of snow, <laughs> and you yeah. were complaining. You were complaining to me about the color of the ball. Now let's let's talk about that. Yeah, that's that's like the classic Russia. Uh, situation. So the, uh, the, the, the field was snowed off. It was co almost completely white. So the teams played with the yellow ball and uh, it was impossible to see, um, as a TV viewer. It's also even the commentators of the field who were sitting up, up on the, on the stadium. They said it's very hard to see the yellow ball because yellow on, on white is not, you know, you can see very, very well. And even the red lines, like the lines on the field, Uh, like the mid, the, the middle field light and everything, it wasn't red. So like it was, it would have made more sense to play with the red ball, but they didn't play with the red ball because they didn't have a red ball. So that's welcome to Russian Premier League. <laughs> like you, like you're playing on the snow and you just don't have a red ball. This is like the level of organization in, in the Russian League. But yeah, it was like, it, it was like, obviously it wasn't, wasn't a proper football game. Um, both teams really had a hard time playing football and you know, Spartak, is the champions of Russia, Lokomotiva, the leaders, and you could have expected this to be a brilliant game of football and truly really could have been a, a great match. For example, the first game, which was on Atkriti Arena, it was a glorious uh, win for Lokomotiv. They were losing down 2 nothing, and they won for 3 in the end. As a neutral, it was just a brilliant football game at a sold-out, beautiful stadium. It was just really a celebration of football. This game wasn't a football. It was really, it was really like the, the both teams struggled to keep the ball and keep the possession. And obviously, in, the, in those conditions, um, the outcome was 0-0. Really, Spartak had only two chances. Lokomotiv had two chances as well, but both chances were from a free kick. So it was a very uneventful game where the players tried to pretty much fix the ball and try to keep their balance because it was icy and snowy. So it wasn't a great game to watch. And that, unfortunately for me as a Spartak fan, because really I felt like if we would have played football, Spartak had more chances, but it was really a match against not each other, a match against the weather conditions. And 0-0 is the great outcome for Lokomotiv. And really, like their goal was, because out of three results, Spartak win, Lokomotiv win and tie, Two Sparta two results were for Lokomotiv, and they got one of those, and now they're in full control. And um, yeah, they, they did their job. They were great. They were very organized. And you can see why they are leading the league, because they, they didn't make any mistakes. No mistakes in the whole game, and they were very organized. Not the most beautiful game, but they got the result they needed. And this is definitely the, the sign of a champion championship team. Yeah, I have two questions for you, Andrew. Mm -hmm. Actually, oh. for Andrew. First of all, could you see the yellow ball on your black and white Soviet-made television <laughs> in the Siberia? <laughs> and B... You must be kidding. <laughs> B, did this condition favor a locomotive? Well, I, I don't think it, I didn't think it favoured either particularly, probably marginally so, because they had less pressure on them. Spartak, if they wanted to win the game, had to chase it. Um, and I guess one thing that slightly surprised me, and perhaps this plays into what you mentioned about um, 
uh, about it, you know, would it favour one or the other, is that they, I was surprised to see Loco play Edda up front instead of Ari, because I thought, you know, Ari's had, well, he's got a good scoring record against, um, hmm. uh, against Bartak, you know, he's, he's, he's just coming back into form. Edda has been, well, he's not really been used because he's not been able to get in the side. Um, so I was surprised to see him play. But when you Ari, look at Ari, the... Ari had an injury, like a slight injury before the game. Ah, okay. I will, I will explain it um, a little bit more then, I suppose. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, Edez, you know, his, his physical shape, like I mentioned, um, his size, his lack of technical ability, that, that kind of lends itself to the style of play that you kind of have to play in snow-ridden football like it was. So, yeah, I guess it probably did slightly favour Loco. Um, you know, and uh, you know, all, all these noises that Ilya Gerkos was making before the game about Spartak being in a different weight class, well, He's right. Spartak are in a higher weight class. Um, Loco are punching well above their weight, but they didn't really have to punch very hard um, because the pressure's not on them. So, you know, in a way, they can afford to drop one or two points as long as it's in a controlled way like it was at the weekend. So, yeah, um, favoured Loco slightly more, I guess. Yeah, you didn't answer the first question. No, you didn't. Andrew, what about your television? Yeah, I, I I told you when you said I couldn't see a thing. You must be joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll leave I mean, it at that. Genuinely, genuinely, seriously, it was it was just absolutely mad that <laughs> Tim, like you said, because they didn't have a red ball. You know, it's snowing. Firstly, it's this is Russia. Secondly, this is the highest snowfall Moscow has had for decades, <laughs> as far as I remember. Um, and um, you're already actively to have red paint and not have a red ball. I just cannot understand the logic behind mm. that. Those two two actions in the same time. You know, the red paint is a good idea. Well, you know, there's something else that's also quite important to a game of football. It's, it's called the exactly. ball itself. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, Anyways, guys, we do need to move this on. Um, and I want to bring in Vadim, who's been patiently listening to us about uh, Russian football. Because the Ukrainian Premier League, Vadim, we're now in the second stage. Do you want to really quickly uh, tell us what that means, right? The, the season gets split in two, and we now are playing a promotion and relegation round, aren't we? Yeah, so there's 12 teams. Uh, now it's split in half, six and six. The top six are playing for the for the league title and the European spots, and the bottom six are, are playing basically to avoid relegation. And the way it works now is that the last place team automatically gets relegated, and then 11th and 10th place actually play uh, relegation playoffs against um, the second and third place team from the first division, which I, I think is similar to how it works in Germany, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, the in Russia as well. In Russia as well. Um, yeah, that's that's a new. That's a they just. Uh, implemented that this season in germany it's just the um third place team of the second league and the third last team um so just two what uh, two teams playing for one spot instead of uh, four teams playing for two but yeah it's um i mean the relegation playoffs it's always, i i always see them as a little bit of a controversial thing because i think if you are relegated at the end of the season the full season then you're relegated i think you shouldn't be given an extra life but um looking at that isn't table, that how hamburg always stay up well they're not going to stay up this year like that because i'm pretty sure they're going down <laughs> but um looking at this table now vadim the the top of the table um shattered donetsk and we're going to talk about shattered donetsk in a bit more detail six points that's 
doesn't seem like a lot when you compare it to last year. But remember two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that, um, Dinamo actually, Schachter have collected less points than last year. And that's really the only reason why the gap is a little bit, uh, tighter. Um, but Schachter came back into the second half of the season or after the winter break, not into the second half of the, but the winter break, pretty much perfect, right? Could you see Schachter dropping enough points for Dinamo to catch up to them? Uh, absolutely not. And even if Shakhtar drops some points, Dynamo Kiev will, will drop enough points so Shakhtar have, you know, they have they have a six point lead now. They have they still play Dynamo Kiev twice, mm. so that's another opportunity to to increase the gap. So I just can't see Dynamo making up the that all of those points. You know, even even if Shakhtar aren't perfect, which they very well could be based on their form so far. Like there's they've barely gotten out of first gear, and it's like. Like Tim, I think we talked about it two weeks ago. It's like they're playing a training match almost every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that game against the Chernomorets. Mm. That was just really look. It looked like a game, and when they go to play in Emirates, and there's nobody watching the game, and they just like play for fun. Yeah, and I mean they were perfect. Three clean sheets since the winter break, and, and a good result against Roma. So, uh, and Didamo have they struggled to get past Olympique. They lost to Verestrivna in a very surprising result, and then they struggled to. Come, they came back from from a two-one down to beat Zoria in the last minute. But none of those results really inspire confidence if you're if you're challenging for the title. Mm. How much? Uh, sorry, t- Tim, go. Yeah, Vadim. Since we're talking about Shakhtar and like that top qualification, the thing we spoke last time, Shakhtar and Mariupol made it to that top top six. So what's going to happen? Oh, that is an interesting question. So yes, Mariupol are now also in the top six, which means that Dinamo Kiev now again will have to travel to Mariupol, which they did not do in the first half of this season, and that's why they uh, the the court of arbitration for sport case where they lost those three points. So now the case is over, the legal case is over. Dinamo have they they can't appeal it any farther, but Surkis has come out from that just he. First of all, he's already demanding security assurances for the for the next match. He is talking about how uh, it's dangerous because Mariupol and Shakhtar supporters are separatists, while Dinamo Kiev supporters are the Patriots, which is just an insane thing to say. And he's basically, you know, beforehand they said, "Oh yeah, we'll accept whatever the decision is," and now it's now they're just gone to war with the Federation, basically. I don't understand why they're doing that. I mean, this is for me. You know, in a season where there's already been so many distractions and Dinamo have struggled financially as well, right? Um, why do this? Is this maybe to distract from what's going on? Do you think that's also really going to help, um, settle the squad and really focus on, you know, I'm not, don't think it's going to happen, but they, they also do need to finish second to get into that third qualifying round in the UEFA Champions League. Well, I don't think they're at risk of dropping from second, but honestly, at this point, this seems like a personal vendetta for Surkis against everybody else in Ukrainian football. There's absolutely no other reason to keep going with this. And if they, if, if Dinamo refused to travel to Mariupol for the second time, they can get kicked out of the league. Now, we know that's not going to happen, but still, you're stirring up more and more controversy, more scandals, and for what? What are they getting out of it? Hmm. The, the question for me is, this coming, who of the two Surkis brothers... I am behind this because the older of the Circus brothers, of course, was the president of the federation for some time, right? 
Um, and he's vice, vice president of UEFA, but I think coming to an end. And now Pavelka, who's the president mm. of the Football Federation of Ukraine, is looking to take his spot. And that's him and he, he's, he's Turkish's number one enemy right now. Uh, so the, you almost sense that there is, that is actually the political undertone that's going on there, isn't it? That... Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's definitely political undertones. I mean, this... and Akhmetov has stayed out of it because I think he, he actually leaves the football to the management. Yeah. Shakhtar, you know, they're, they're run far more professionally than Dinamo, but there's also, we talked about last time how Mariupol are very much in a Shakhtar sphere of influence. And also, very interesting development. So Shakhtar have registered their business officially in Mariupol now. And because Shakhtar don't have a home stadium, next season they can choose to play some of their matches in Mariupol. So can you imagine if Shakhtar <laughs> decides to play in Mariupol for when they need to play Dynamo? <laughs> well, it shouldn't ever close a home, but I mean, I, uh, I, I can see that being, <laughs> we spoke about dumpster fires early on, but that is definitely a dumpster fire in the making. I could see... I could see Dynamo really staring the pot for that. If that happens, if Shakhtar moved to Mariupol for next season, although I don't think they they would completely move there, right, Vadim? Um, I no, assume they, the big I, I matches will still be in Kharkiv. Yeah, and it, it makes more sense for them to play in Kharkiv. But you know, just really, just just to annoy, just to get under Sturgis's skin, just to play the the matches against Dynamo in Mariupol. I don't think it's going to happen, but the fact that it's even a possibility, I think says a lot about the state of Ukrainian football right now and what's more important, results or politics. Well, yeah, ever, ever since I covered Ukrainian football, it always seems to be the politics. Football is just an excuse um, that's kind of being pushed pushed ahead to the, to make uh, to make politics. Um, it's always the... It's the, probably the most political country when it comes to football in, in Europe, I would say. Before I forget, the vice president of Mariupol, he didn't want to be outdone by Surkis. He's now basically alleging that Surkis, there's some kind of conspiracy involving former KGB agents to discredit Ukrainian football. Oh my word, that's, that is, that is some theater. Um, <laughs> well, we also do have to, to focus on some of the facts though, because all of this is going on. Dinamo at war with the Federation. Um, Shachter moving possibly to Mariupol, which is, is news to me. I have to actually check up on that. Um, but Dinamo, of course, they have a Europa League game on Thursday against Lazio. Um, not great in the league. Now you've mentioned off the pot that Katskevich is now in the line of fire and that he could be gone by if, if things don't turn around. Um, what is the latest on that? Uh, it still remains to be, I think he's going to stick around until the end of the season. But, you know, the results in the league have been very underwhelming and they were very, very lucky to get past AK Athens in the Europa League. Mm. Honestly, the, the way, the way that they performed, they, they do not deserve to move on to the next round. And I am worried about what's going to happen against Lazio. I know they're not going to go through, but I hope it's not too embarrassing. Yeah, that's that's a tough fixture. Lazio is a um, is a very good Italian side, so and there's good things happening in Italian football. I, I mean, I'd be shocked if Didamo goes through or not. Um, but but the, the the main rumor about who would replace him is uh, Raúl Riancho, and <laughs> Riancho was uh, Rebrov's assistant yeah. for his first two seasons, and largely credited. You know, Rebrov never really shook off this this idea that Riancho was actually the mastermind behind the success. 
But Riancho left because he said, I've gotten everything that I could out of these players. You know, he wanted Surkis to sell Harmash and, and Hachiridi and get better players, which obviously didn't happen. So to me, it makes no sense why now he would come back you know, mm. two years later with a weaker squad and agree to take over. There is a few talents maybe in that side, or maybe there is hope that there is investment, but I think for that investment to happen, you need to get back to the Champions League. And um, the third qualifying round is means that you are playing two um, stages before you even get to think about the group stage, right? So, um, and the, with the new setup of the Champions League, I find it very difficult to see Dinamo reach that stage. Um, because a lot of there's going to be a lot of other very good teams trying to get one of those 16 remaining Champions League spots uh, in the qualification qualification stage, right? So um, where's the money going to come from, Vadim? I don't think it's coming from anywhere, and I really don't see what what would motivate Riancho to to take over. He's he's one of Shevchenko's assi assistants in the mm. national team now, but you know to come back and take over a weaker Dinamo squad than when he was assistant and. His reason for leaving was that, you know, this is it. This is all I can get out of this squad. For him to take over now, I just I just don't see it happening. Even though apparently he's the bookmaker's favorite. Oh, I love that you can basically bet on anything. Now, looking at this this table, uh, really briefly, we have Schachter pretty much nailed down as the title winner. Dynamo Kiev, I mean, yes, there's other teams behind them, but it'd be hard to see someone like Soria or Forskla um, getting enough points to dislodge them right from a champions league spot um third and fourth third uh, qualify qualifying round of the europa league for third spot uh, um and then second qualifying round in europa league for fourth spot um vadim it's very tight in behind you know the champions league spots do you see Soria and Forskla taking, nailing down those spots? Or do you think that someone like Veres Rivne or Mariupol and Mariupol reaching the Europa League, that would open an, an entire different uh, can of worms, wouldn't it? Yeah, because UEFA has its own rules and UEFA will never allow a match to take place in Mariupol. Mm. So if that would happen, then, you know, Surkis can go ahead and say, oh, you know, they, they don't allow to play European matches there. Why did Why did we get points taken off? So... That would just be even more controversy. But uh, about... So I think just in terms of quality, uh, it is really tight right now. And Zoria are only one point above uh, Rivne and Mariupol. But I think uh, Vorskla and Zoria are, you know, the teams with just strictly by, you know, the, the players, the squad, they're the strongest in it. And they actually have some, albeit limited, European experience. So I think in the end... Uh, we're going to see Vorskla and Zoria. But also, if uh, Shakhtar and Dinamo are the teams in the uh, Ukrainian Cup final, mm -hmm. which is very likely, then there will be one more Europa League spot available. So either Veres or Mariupol can still make it to the Europa League. Yeah, and then that, that third spot would be a direct spot for the, the group stage, right? Um, looking at the bottom half of the table and we have more controversy in the bottom half of the table right Vadim um, the relegation is a little bit different as you mentioned um, similar to, to Germany and Russia now but looking at that um, it's tight style of course in the bottom in the very bottom there's still a lot of football to be played though so I can see any one of those bottom four really you know crashing down into 
the, the second division. And one of those teams is Kapati Lviv. And Kapati, there's a lot of things going on. There's been a lot of things going on with that club for a while. I mean, this is a club that we've covered on Football Grad all the way back in 2013 as well. Club that's, um, from a very patriotic region of Ukraine, but also a club that's, um, a bit of an issue club. Um, they, the current chairman is, is, is looked for by the police because of a hit and run, I believe, right? Um, he was recently spotted at a football game in Turkey of all places. Uh, keep an eye on that. But, um, there's also a CES case going on with Kapati because technically they're not supposed to sign players, but they have. And that could lead to a point deduction, which then in the end could lead to relegation, right, Vadim? Well, technically they already have a point deduction. They have a nine point deduction, which would already put them in last place, but it hasn't officially been implemented. Because, and to give a brief overview, this, uh, Karpate and one of their former players, Pablo Hudema, who played there about four or five years ago, they still owe him $75,000, which is not that big of an amount, but they have so far refused to pay, and this has been dragging on for years, and Karpate keep taking it to, uh, the court of, just, just civil court in Lviv, and because of that, they're able to, uh, basically uh, avoid the transfer ban and have the point deduction not be implemented yet. Now, of course, this goes against FIFA regulations, and FIFA finally just sent a letter to the FFU asking, like, hey, what's going on? And finally, you know, I think the FFU, they were they were very distracted with the Mariupol case this whole time, mm. but finally they're also taking some action, and they have now told Karpaty, basically, you have to stop this court case. But with a nine-point deduction... They are yeah, there have been ten six points. point and three point deductions separately, and the transfer ban. But that's also not being. No, nobody is enforcing that at the moment. They're still signing players. Yeah, well, and we do know that these these point deductions they're serious business, right? Because Nepo, of course, um, a team that reached the Europa League. Is it only two years ago that they reached the Europa League final? Uh, three, I think. Three. Um, it's almost three years ago. Yeah. Um, that's we saw with how relentless FIFA can be. They they will take the side down if they feel that that's the way to do it, right? I mean, this is not something that can be taken on a light shoulder. And we see with Nepro that being taken down. I mean, Nepro are now a disaster. There's actually two clubs, two Nepros playing under the name, and one of them is in in the semi final of the Ukraine Cup. We'll get to that when when we get closer to the that stage of the competition, but. This is, this is serious business, Vadim. I mean, there is a very good chance Kapati will be gone next season. There is. And as you said, they're from a, you know, patriotic region of Ukraine, one of the historically considered, you know, even though there's Dynamo Kiev, but Karpaty are the epitome of the Ukrainian club. But the way they're being run, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't be that upset to see them relegated. Because as I said, this is a $75,000 debt. It's not like they can't afford it. They keep mm. signing South American players for for more than that, and these South American players end up leaving after six months. But recently, at the you know at one of the hearings at the FFU, the vice president of Karpaty said, "You are trying to kill the club. No, you are killing the club yourself by refusing to pay this debt and dragging this through court for four years now. This is not that huge of a debt. It's not like you know the the club can afford to pay this. And here's something even more ridiculous." And this is actually hard to believe, but 
On top of this, um, this player, Hudima, also actually sued because he alleged uh, there was a physical assault by the former Karpate general uh, director of football. And so Karpate actually won that case, but they recently sent him a letter demanding that they, he reimbursed them for court fees, seven euros. That's the amount, seven euros. This is a personal vendetta against this player for I don't know what reason. That's, uh, by the way, that's... Are they, are they going to get relegated because of this? 14 if, if they, I, I think they deserve to get relegated. Yeah. Sorry, Vadim, can I just, can I just say, did you just say for seven euros? Yes, they sent, they sent him a letter demanding a seven, seven euro reimbursement for court fees. You, oh. you can't actually be serious. That's not, that's not actually the amount, seven euros. That's the amount he's claiming. That's the amount. And also, oh my word. and if they get consider, relegated for this, I if they if they choose to get relegated, I think it's their own fault. And just it's been dragging on for four years now, and it's seventy five thousand dollars. How much have they spent on lawyers' fees at this point? Yeah, yeah that's, that's it's got to be approaching that number. Probably something like twenty one euro. <laughs> that's ri that's ridiculous. But you know. So yeah. I was trying to put together a timeline of what is going on in this case, and when I saw this, I I had trouble believing it. But no, there's actually there's a picture of the letter of the document. I don't know. I don't know if, if uh, the player has paid. I'll I'll keep you updated on that. <laughs> well, to do to make it sound maybe a bit better when you convert it to Rivna, I think it's fourteen Rivna, right? Yeah, it sounds a, a, a bit better. <laughs> you convert it to euros, it's it's laughable, really. That's that a pint of beer, right? It, yeah, not even. You can't even get... Well, yeah, I guess you can get like a couple of beers for that. So um, maybe, maybe this is the it's, solution. So maybe, maybe they should just like take... Maybe he should just take the president out for a beer and solve it that way. <laughs> well, it's just, it's so petty. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's personal. I don't know what happened between the player and the management that's making them take this so personally. But if Carpate, you know, if if they're saying, "Oh, you are killing the club," no, you're you're basically committing suicide. Mm. And if you get relegated over this, it's your own fault and good riddance. Now, as as historic of a club as you are, if this is how you operate, then you don't really deserve to be playing top flight football. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Now, um, I did take a quick look at the second division, Vadim, and. Um, delightfully noticed that Arsenal Kiev are in first place. Um, that's, of course, my, the, the, the club that I always visited when I lived there. Um, that team has been more or less resurrected. And if Kapatik do go down, is that a better man for the league if they go up? Uh, well, I can't remember the last time they were in the Premier League. I, maybe you remember. 2014. 2014, yeah. yeah, and then and then I think like many Ukrainian teams, they you know they went bankrupt and then were resurrected. Uh, you know, you also have to take, uh, consider how many teams are playing in Kiev right now. Mm. So there's only Dynamo of, that are based in Kiev, but like Olympique are playing there, Stal are playing there. So there's another another Kiev club that's something like 25% of all Ukrainian Premier League matches are held in the capital now. Mm. But at the same time, this is actually a Kiev club. We'll have a real Kiev derby now. And, you know, this club, politically, the political leanings of the, the supporters are very, very different from most Ukrainian teams. Yeah. Left, left wing instead of right wing, which is very interesting. Yeah, it's, it would be, yeah, well, I mean, 
it would be maybe a bit of a refreshment, refreshing face in the league, in a league that's, you know, where many clubs are, um, um, supported by very right wing supporters, including Dynamo and have a side like that come up. Um, I, I will say after, after, you know, the, the war broke out in the East and all of the ultras declared a, a truce, uh, Arsenal Kiev also are part of that truce. And there are, are a lot of Arsenal Kiev ultras also volunteered to fight. So mm. kind you know, they, they, even though they're the only club with left wing leaning political leanings, they still, you know, kind of, whenever, whenever everybody came together, they were part of that too. They weren't excluded. Well, yeah, I guess that that's the thing that the, the difficult when it comes to politics, right? Um, it's very hard to differentiate between left and right, especially right now in, in Ukraine because of the, the, anyone seems to be a bit very much united when it comes to the, the insurrection in, in Eastern, in Eastern Ukraine, right? The, the, the Russian supported separatists, etc. So I guess that really, um, yeah, that's maybe a topic. When they do go up, we'll have to discuss this in great lengths because there's a lot to discuss. Um, Vadim, we're almost out of time. So I'll ask you this question real quick. The Shakhtar Donetsk second leg. What's your thoughts on that? Do you think Shakhtar have a good chance of going through? If they play like they did in the, in the second half of the first leg, uh, very much so. And I think they should be disappointed with the result. Actually, they they should have won that match three one. Mm. Yeah, that's that's basically what we got when we spoke about this last week. I think there is going to be that moment. Hopefully, not not that too big of a moment where they will maybe think, "Oh, if we had just scored that third goal, right, to wrap this up." But yeah, sadly, boys, we're out of time, so we'll have to discuss the. The Shachter game after the Shachter game is played. And this is not this week, it's the week after. So, um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on the Europa League fixtures and the Champions League fixtures. That's all we're going to discuss that all next week. But yeah, Vadim, where can people find you? Um, what have you been up to? Where can people follow you, et cetera? And if the floor is yours. On Twitter, uh, V Furbanov, and you can find me on Football Grad. I have an exclusive contract, so you won't find me anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I like to hear that. Well, um, Tim, how about you? What have you been up to? Where can people find you online? Well, I'm similar to Vadim. I'm very exclusive to Football Grata in terms of my football content. I don't report for any sports through or Sport Express, those papers. Only Football Grat forever. Uh, but you don't people sell can... out. No, no, no. I'm like a true punk rocker, you know. I'm, I'm back to my roots of Football Grat. Uh, uh, but yeah, but uh, people can find me on uh, Twitter, Russian Tim sixty one, and on Instagram, Rocket from Russia. And hopefully, me and Manu will do a little bit more interviews uh, for upcoming uh, MLS games. Yeah, definitely. Well, Andrew, you're a bit more of a soldier of fortune. <laughs> what have you been up to? <laughs> I can see where this one was going. Yeah, you see, the, the problem is, guys, um, I'm kind of a big shot out here, and uh, I'm being interviewed by, well, actually was today, by Chumenska Vremia uh, for the second time. Um, so, you know, I'm afraid I, I can't restrict myself to, to football grad. You know, I'm an in-demand kind of guy. Um, but no, no, seriously, I, I'll be <laughs> doing the football grad. <laughs> I'll be doing the football grad podcasts and... Uh, in fact, actually, I'll also be planning, or well, I am planning right now, um, getting accreditation for Russia's amazing friendlies coming up against Brazil and France. So that most certainly will be exclusively for football grads. So uh, keep your eyes open for that in a couple of weeks' time. And you're doing the previews for the two uh, CSKA and Loco games, right? Um, yeah, yeah, CSKA Loco. Um, I'll be pumping a bit of um, optimism into those and... Um, Probably more in hope than expectation, if I'm honest. But uh, I, I always look forward to supporting our Russian team. But that'll be up on Football Grad um, in well in the next few hours. I hope. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, probably by the time this pot is out anyways. <laughs> but also, Andrew, don't feel too bad. I'm a bit of a soldier of fortune myself, and I actually own the page. <laughs> so I, I did just want to point that out at this point. Of all people, our loyal, loyal, loyal leader um, is, uh, yes, well, anyhow, you're in demand too, Manny. <laughs> yeah, so you can find me mostly on footballguard.com, but I also do write for Pro Soccer USA on the Whitecaps, and I do also work um, or do also do articles for Football Whispers among others and then of course uh, all sorts of freelance work but yes of course mostly uh, at football grad life is where you find this content the europa league content uh previews um champions league podcasts articles on ukrainian politics by vadim that's all at football grad life and then you can follow me personally at manuel Wef, um you know where you can also find some of the white cap stuff and some of the bundesliga articles i do for other sites but yeah that's it for this week guys we'll be back next week um Please send us comments, questions, etc. They're always appreciated. We love them. We love discussing them on this pod. So please feel free if you have anything to ask us that were on about this pod or any possible topics. Shoot us a question, um, either online on Twitter or via email. Um, that can or the contact details can be found on footballgrad.com. Well, until next week, das Vedanya. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.